and spend your afternoon here with us. Um, and for the purposes of the podcast, no doubt, <laughs> and of the replays, for those who don't know, I'm Patricia Rogan Faber and I do a podcast show to help people maximise property values. It's called Maximising Property Values and I've put a link above. Um, it's on all the popular platforms, so you can find it on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, on Audible. Um, but that, however, normally is a monologue. So that's just me talking. And now I've added a guest series. And my guest today is Anjuela Ismaili. And Anjuela, I am going to be really, really nosy and go into your life. But before we do that, I want to give you a formal welcome. So Anjuela, welcome to Maximising Property Values. And Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. And um, and before we actually go into anything, and before you introduce yourself, because I'd like you to do that, I would love you. So three things I'm asking you. Normally, I ask people two, and I mix them up. So the first question I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to tell you all three, and then let you answer them. So the first one is, how many languages do you speak? Second one, well, the second and the third, they are, what are the best, the well, one best thing and one worst thing that's happened to you in your life? And here's a twist. You can't, for the last two, the best and the worst, they can't be property related and they cannot be children related. So over to you, Anjuela. Oh my God, I'm giggling in the background. <laughs> um, so um, in terms of languages, I'm perfectly trilingual. So I speak perfectly Albanian, Italian and English, but I do speak a little bit of German, a tiny bit of Arabic, quite good Spanish, I would say. Uh, a bit of Greek. Um, I think that's it. But yes, I'm perfectly trilingual. So in all these three languages, I think I can speak pretty much in, you know, uh, anything. I feel like they are all three mother tongue to me, mother tongue level. Um, the other question was, um, what is the best thing and the worst thing that has happened to me? Is that, sorry, my memory is not yep. really good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and it can't be property related and baby related. Yep. Okay, I understand. Um, the best thing that has happened to me, um, I, I know that it's not an event, but I think is when I upgrade and I look back and I think, wow, that was actually so easy. And I thought it was so difficult. So for, um, and it's not just property, it's, it's not, um, it's anything. So when every time I upgrade in my life, um, I don't know, say I move to a better area or I move country or, um, um, I don't know, I, I got the British citizenship or um, just anything. And then when you look back and you say, wow, why did I struggle so much in there? Sometimes it's, not down to me, but actually most of the time it is. And it's incredible that um, sometimes how much we stop ourselves from growing just because we think we can't, but actually we can. Um, so I know this is not an event, but um, yeah, for me, the, the best thing in life is 
change and upgrade. Um, and, and then, you know, look back and say, wow, okay, this is doable, this is achievable. And it's actually not as difficult as I thought. Um, the worst thing that has happened to me, um, I would say that um, hmm, outside of property and babies, I think the worst thing that has happened to me has been dealing with a lot of visas and I found them, um, I found them really, um, I put a lot of effort and money and time and uh, I thought that there was money and time and energy very badly spent because I could have spent that money and that energy in something far more productive for the humanity. Um, so I think that was the worst thing. But at the same time, I think that everything that is quite bad in our life actually teaches us a lot. So having that, let's say I was a step back um, compared to, I don't know, Italians when I was in Italy or British people when I was in, in England, um, that actually... I think gives you an extra gear and you say, wow, okay, this society is telling me I can't. I have to prove them. I actually can and will. Uh, so, yes, so I, I think that has been um, something that I would have avoided. But actually, you know, I always want to see the cup as half full. So um, I'd say, yeah, actually, it's, it's okay now. So, you know, been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, if, if it was down to me, I would be a bit more for uh, open borders or, you know, maybe not open borders, but, you know, at least make it a bit easier when, when everything is in place, make it a bit easier for humans to treat other humans like humans. Back to you, wow. Patricia. Wow. Wow. So starting with the very, very first question, six languages, six languages okay fine and, and as mother tongue <laughs> sorry and i started learning um chinese uh on an app no. during no. the pandemic yes wash no. tongue version <laughs> do you know i made both of my children study mandarin when they were at school and they both did it to a levels no one did it to a levels and the other one did it to just gcses wow I, I couldn't even understand it. Nothing at all. I just thought, you know, you get on with it. And you, wow. I, for, my, for I, that, I have to thank pandemic. I have to be honest. Otherwise, I wouldn't have started. During pandemic, I thought, oh, I have a lot of time. So let me do that. <laughs> well, good for you. And that that just leads us very, very nicely to you telling us who you are. And that is who you are, not just a property Anjuela, but the real Anjuela. Who are you? Tell us. Um, first of all, I am a very curious hum human. Um, I don't like to call myself uh, a woman because I think, first of all, we're humans. Um, I am very curious. I love to learn anything new. Uh, whether it's language, whether it's uh, property, whether it's a new documentary. Um, yesterday I was uh, completely hooked on this program on um, on how to get glass unbreakable and how you know the Tesla had that uh, problem with with uh, with their glass that actually got smashed even though it was bulletproof. Um, so I don't know. I'm just a very curious human being, I would say. 
Um, I really love to learn new things. I really love change. Uh, I think it's very different from probably most of the people that I know who are uncomfortable with change. I actually love and thrive in change. Um, we have an expression in Albania, I think it's the same in English, actually, that uh, no news is good news. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the same in English. And uh, um, for me, no news is is equal to death, is equal to ap apathy. So that is not a good news for me. But I understand why the saying is goes like that, because, you know, it's, it's better than bad news, I guess. Uh, but for me, no, I, I love change. Uh, that's where I thrive. Um, I've moved countries. Uh, I was born in Albania, moved to Italy where I studied law, finished and have a master's degree in law. Um, and then I moved to UK after seven years uh, that I was in Italy. Um, so somebody who just, um, once I get comfortable in, in, in one place, I think that's where I start to think of moving because comfort is not for me. I always like to push my, my comfort zone. So I'm always on the on the very barrier of my comfort zone. Um, what else can I say about me? Um, what about your modeling? Hmm. You weren't modeling that, were you? <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely not going to mention that. Um, so oh, I did that a long time ago. I did acting as well. So modeling was actually just a very tiny bit of that. Um, it was mainly acting. There is one film on um, the Netflix or or Amazon Prime where I have a little a little part, but um, it, it's it's not a film I'm very proud of. But I, I'll share it with you privately. Um, oh, please do! <laughs> <laughs> but what I did love and enjoy was actually voiceovering. Um, yeah, so I did a voiceover in Italy. I did acting as well in Italy. It was always something for fun that I did on the side. It was never my thing, uh, but I do love being behind the camera and behind the, the scene. Um, just just the whole process of, of um, planning and organizing everything and put something together. Um, even, even when I watch a film, sometimes I'm a bit annoying to my partner because I always say, oh, this is how they shot this scene. And obviously, poor thing, he doesn't want to know that. He just wants to watch the film. Um, but I'm always behind the camera. I always want to know how they did that. Um, so, so yeah, that was uh, that, that was a long time ago. I'm not, not, not doing that. But I have to say, if somebody offers me uh, a role now, I'll definitely go and jump in and then do it if it's not very time-consuming because I just loved it, loved it. Uh, wow. I also, yeah, and I also have um, uh, a fashion brand, which I might have to wrap up because I'm I'm really, really busy, but it, it is something that I did love and enjoy. And, uh, oh, that's an, another topic. I'm not going to open it because we'll, we're going to be here another 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, great stuff. So now let's start, let's talk about property. Let's talk about property. So you and I, probably a month or possibly two months ago we spoke very briefly about the possibility of supplying like a cheaper labor force if we could um you know really skilled people from albania and getting them to the uk so can you actually okay obviously we didn't we weren't able to proceed with it but if somebody else might be you know who might be listening in the future thinks about this 
can you just tell us what the pitfalls are in trying to do that sort of thing? You know, the issues that people might have to face and perhaps, you know, maybe some of the solutions because, you know, being, you know, a property podcast, we want to get people thinking, even if there are no answers here, somebody might just, you know, be able to run away with, you know, just an idea and make it work for them. And that will be amazing. So over to you. Uh, actually, Patricia, I have to thank you for that, because just raising the topic, I think, makes exactly what you're saying. People think about potential solutions. So um, for, for me, it's um, a paradox. Is that an English word? Oh, my God. I've been in Albania for a week and I, I think my English is um, struggling at the moment. But uh, yes, because in England or in the whole UK, actually, we don't have manpower, especially now that a lot of people have left the country. I don't know if it was Brexit or the pandemic or both. Um, but in Albania, we have a lot of people that are very, uh, very good builders. Uh, some of them are actually in UK and they have their own companies and they are legally in UK for many, many years, some of them decades. Um, uh, and I do know a lot of them. And often my peers in property do ask me for uh, labor if, if I know anybody, if I know Albanians either in Scotland, which I do, or uh, I don't know, Manchester, uh, just around the country. So when somebody is struggling to to have manpower, skilled manpower, um, I, I, I just don't know how to help because I have a lot of uh, people who are in Albania who do a great job. Um, in, in Italy, most of the builders are Albanians as well, um, but they can't come to the UK. Um, so I know that uh, the Albanians, um, th this kind of manpower, actually, they are struggling to find enough work in Albania because don't forget Albania is only 3 million people. Yes, we're building a lot left, right and center, but still it's not it's not in, enough. It's still a small country. So if they were to come in the UK, they would solve a problem for the UK. And actually, it's a country that most Albanians love to love the idea to live in. So um, I guess I love win win scenarios. And this to me <laughs> strikes like a win win scenario where, you know, UK has its manpower uh, needed and uh, Albanians find both work and live in a country that they admire anyway. So, yeah. Uh, the reason why we couldn't do this was because of uh, visas. Um, for Albanians, unfortunately, they tend to be nearly impossible. Um, the way I came to the UK is much different because I studied in Italy and I won a scholarship from an EU program. So that's much, it's, in my case, it's different. But uh, for a skilled builder uh, it's very close to impossible to get to the uk so one of the ways that i see a potential solution would be to have an agreement where skilled labor actually can get to the uk a bit easier but again yes so the the problem the blockage there would be that you need some sort of agreement from either you know a, a government representative so yeah definitely i can't do that back to you Okay, so great stuff. Yeah, because we, 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 we came to that conclusion, didn't we, that, you know, the visa was going to be the main issue there. And um, the other thing as well is what about what about raw materials? What, what, what raw materials say, you know, might you be able to source possibly from Albania or from Italy 
that might be able to help people in their property journeys. I love Italy. Oh, oh, don't even get me started. And once I get an idea into my head, I just run with it. And where I end up is so different to, to where I started off. So I'm not even going to start. So, Angela, what might you be able to do to help people in, the, in, in that respect? Because, you know, again, speaking, it, speaking Italian, it's going to be so useful. In fact, you know, my beds, the beds that I buy now, they come from a company in Italy because I just love how they're engineered. They are so simple. I know that some people might look at those beds and think, what is she on about? But for me, it's the simplicity that just makes them absolutely gorgeous. And apart from that, they are engineered so well, you can't break the beds. You just cannot break these beds. So I love them. Yeah, Italians are the best artisans I've ever met, I would say, in the world. Um, they take so much effort and they, it's so much passion into making something, whether it's a pair of shoes, whether it's a bed, whether it's a kitchen, uh, whether it's just materials. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't know now, I guess we have a lot of competition, but uh, the best artisans you'd ever find, I think they would probably be in, in Italy. I, I love Italy for that. I love how much time they put into one simple thing. I went to the shoe museum of um, uh, Ferragamo and, oh my God, the amount of detail and work that was in there was just impressive, simply impressive. Um, unfortunately, I'm not doing as much in this area and um, actually, thank you because you gave me uh, a door for me to open. Um, I'm not dealing as much with Italy in terms of, uh, in terms of materials or, you know, getting beds or... Um, I'm not sure why that is. I have um, I have collaborated uh, with Italy when, with my fashion brand, Milingona. Uh, all the fabrics came from Italy, all of them. Um, and then the handmade pieces were made in, in Albania just because it was uh, um, just more affordable and then I could sell them for an affordable price. Uh, but in terms of property, no, I haven't dealt with Italy. In, when it comes to Albania, we do have raw materials. Uh, hmm. Albania is heavily monopolized. Um, that's 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 the trouble. Uh, you have a few people controlling a lot of resources, um, and unfortunately, the money coming from those resources don't go to Albanians. Don't go to the you know regular citizens like myself and you know other people here, but. Uh, they tend to be quite controlled. Um, we do have a lot of uh, raw materials. Uh, one thing that I can think of as you were speaking was actually some kind of of, um, of skill is actually still usable. For example, for one of my properties, I did use my own architects here in Albania. She now moved to UK, but that was before when she was still in Albania to maximize the space of a property. And we converted that from a one bedroom to two bedroom. Um, and yeah, um, another very good person that I've used is somebody who makes kitchens, for example. Uh, and I don't know if that's something that could be possible to yeah we spoke to about make, that didn't we yes. the kitchen person kitchens. yeah 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 he is amazing 
he's very slow <laughs> he's very slow uh but he you know the end result is just perfect perfect okay and so for me to say perfect <laughs> yeah, so, he's really good and Joanna, so that we can you know all advance our journeys because like you i'm all about you know, moving forward, moving forward all the time. And, you know, in property, making money, making money, um, you know, making it well, making it lawfully. So, you know, if anyone's listening to this on a replay or on a podcast, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm in business to make money. So I'm not, I used to apologize for that because it, having trained as a solicitor, when I trained, we weren't even allowed to advertise on the outside. You were allowed a very small plaque on your door. It was seen as not being a good thing at all. And then my background has never been trade or commerce. So I just felt very uncomfortable in that space. But, you know, it is what it is. And we are who we are. So, Anjuela, now these kitchens tell us, let's just look at if... I wanted to order a kitchen, say, for instance, because that isn't a problem. That won't have any visa res restrictions. Obviously, there'll be um, there'll be customs duty and VAT to pay on it. Not only on the goods, but also on the transportation and the um, insurance. Well, VAT anyway um, is payable on the on the complete you know price. How would it happen what would i need to do so say for instance i come to you and i say angela i want an amazing kitchen um what then how would the process be would i measure up here and give you the measurements or would the guy be able well actually i guess if he's not got a visa to work here he can't come here and take measurements how might it actually work let us find a solution to this let us get let us get a pipeline going tell me I think it's easier than than we think, to be honest. I um the way to be, I I don't think you trust somebody who doesn't know what they're doing to measure. Uh, probably we would get somebody who knows what they're measuring. I, per personally, I wouldn't be comfortable to measure, uh, just because it has to be perfectly uh, measured. But you can get someone to measure it. I I don't think that's an issue anyway, uh, I, and I don't think that's going to be expensive. Um, and then the then you get him directly to um, design for you, and he's really good. He has his own team. He gets his own team. You tell him what you want. You tell him uh, where you want things. For example, he will know um, where the sink should be and everything. Um, and then he will tell you different materials uh, that you can use. Obviously, they are different range in terms of price and quality and then you can decide if you want the higher quality spec or actually if you want just the basic one um you decide the color and everything and i think the next step would be him sending you just uh, small pieces of the of the uh material that you have chosen to use uh, so that you are completely comfortable he can just post you that those and then you approve it. It depends on how quickly you want this moving forward. I think to begin with uh, in a relationship, I would start it with um, updating the other person as much as possible. 
Um, so keeping them informed in everything because it's a new relationship and you don't want to assume anything. Even later on, I wouldn't want to assume anything, but you can say, oh, the same material that you used last time. But the first time, I think it's, it's very important to get it right um, so that you establish um, um, a relationship based on trust and, um, and then that you're happy working with each other. Uh, so I think I would send two or three different um, materials and then he can give you his advice because he's really good at what he does. And then once you're happy with the design on paper, then he can get uh, then he gets on with his craft. Um, once it's completed, he would have to send it uh, to uh, so from Albania to UK. Yes, there is some customs to pay in the, uh, in there. I'm not sure how much that is. That is something that we will need to check. Um, and I think that it's going to be a great result for a fraction of a price. And um, uh, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be happy. Probably not the the style or, I mean, the style you can get whatever style you want. But I really like his style. It's like he has his own thing going, which of course he can tweak it. But I really like the result. I can show you a couple of results that he's had for, for my apartments, my flats. Um, and I've been pretty happy. Amazing, amazing. Do you know, that sounds good. I'm, I'm, you know, put me down, please, for getting samples. I'm going to be, I'm going to be really busy, um, really, really busy in 2022. That's um, good to know. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm kind of like, I'm, I, I'm excited about it, but also dreading it because it's going to be full on. I think, you know, the whole year is going to be one after another, after another. But anyway, um, so in, in terms of pricing, give us an idea as to how much a basic kitchen might be and how much. Because, OK, for people in the who are going to be listening back on this, there are people in the room. Um, one of the ways to make your property stand out is to have an amazing kitchen and an amazing bathroom. Other than that, you can literally, you know, just paint the rest white and your property is still going to look amazing. But those two things, very, very difficult to compromise on if you're looking for something that you want to kind of, like, you know, just stand out and have that wow factor. And that is why this is important to be able to get it at perhaps a fraction of the price it would otherwise cost. So are you able to just like just just give us a rough idea? Obviously, you. you so a simple kitchen, let's say, um, let's say a straight run of 3.5 metres. So 3.5 metres might have like seven, no, not seven, probably have about six units, um, you know, um, on the floor, at the floor level, base units. And then you probably have as many on the walls. So let's say for that, roughly how much might that be? So, um... In, in what we did was that I chose my own uh, electric appliances, so he's he's not dealing anything with that. But you need to measure the electric appliances that you're getting beforehand, so he can feed them in as well. So that's one thing that came to mind. Um, so apart from the cost of white goods. Um, what they costed to me was uh, 3500 That's euros. Um, 
and and it was a perfect finish and it was made to fit in the area that um that I had in in my in my flat um he did a great job also because he actually extended the kitchen all the way up to the ceiling so it's a full floor to ceiling kitchen uh which actually makes a uh, better use of the space that was on top of me. I, I don't know if, if I'm making any sense, but sometimes there is that small space on top of the kitchen that is usually just there doing nothing. And the way he repurposed that was, I, I thought it was very intelligent. Um, so yeah, so it was 3,500, but I didn't take the basic quality. I think it was a bit better. So I would say, yeah, even, even for 3,000 possibly. Okay, great. So he, it sounds like he makes the kitchens just like the Germans do, because you tell them what um, appliances you're going to be using, and then they make the, the the carcasses to actually fit those appliances. That's right. And they, they come as a perfect fit. Okay, great stuff. Wonderful. Okay, so there you have it. So 3,500. Mm. Okay, so that is, what, 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 what material did you use? Was that pure wood or was it um um a laminate a composite laminate um oh my god i can't remember but it wasn't laminate and it wasn't wood and it was something in between so something not as expensive as wood but not as cheap as a laminate um don't ask me what the what the word for that is i can tell you afterwards I can okay. <laughs> no um, problems. But it looks so. The end result is it, it looks like wood, but it isn't. But it isn't laminate. Laminate is where you have the um, the the small pieces of wood put together, right? The yeah, no, it wasn't laminate. I'm sure it wasn't laminate. Um, and it wasn't wood. So yeah, sorry, I'm not giving you a better answer. Okay. No problems, no problems, no problems. Okay, so that's that on that side. Now tell us about what you've been doing in property in the UK, what you're doing in Edinburgh. Yes, absolutely. So um, in Edinburgh, it's not just myself. I'm uh, collaborating with uh, another uh, five, we're, well, we're in six altogether, um, investors. And uh, we got hold of this beautiful, beautiful pub. Uh, the building is is just glorious. It's in Leith, and I'm so proud because Leith actually uh, was number four coolest neighborhood in the world according to Time Out. Um, and this was what a year after I've been speaking about my my little development in um, in Edinburgh. So I was pretty pretty happy with it. Um, so yes, yeah, so it was a pub. Uh, wasn't doing very great as a pub. Um, the area was uh, is developing a lot. Uh, the, there is a tram passing right under the. It's like two minutes walk uh, from the entrance of the pub, and we're converting this uh, listed build. It's a listed building as well, so we're converting this pub into nine units, nine flats, and it's going to be a mixture of studio, one bed two bed and three bed of which um, two flats are going to be duplexes. So over two floors, there is a beautiful basement as well, which we have repurposed. We couldn't use that basement to build other flats because of the um, height of the windows. It's, it wasn't enough to create 
uh, flats in there, but we're still making great use of um, of that basement. Um, in in one part, we're creating a cinema room and yeah, repurposing it for. So each flat of the ground floor will have access to the basement. If that makes sense. Um, uh, we had a lot of hiccups, uh, <laughs> as as I think it's it's to be um, foreseen. Uh, quite quite a few problems came out of there. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go into details, um, but yeah, you know, I th I think it's always it's always really helpful anyway to people like me, and I hope that you know like attracts like to 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 not just hear about the wins but to also hear about the losses because those yeah. losses they can be so instrumental on helping yeah. you ensure success going forward so if you wouldn't mind sharing with us i'd love to definitely hear about it Thank yes and, and actually of course and they're actually lessons learned i guess yeah um so so yeah one one the first thing was that we ended up paying more than we foresaw for the property um, and that was because we had an option on it. Um, the time ran over, uh, and then because we didn't get the money on time, uh, the planning was in there. We got the planning on time, but we didn't manage finance on time for things not depending on us, but still. Um, so we, we had to pay uh, more than, than we thought. It still made perfect sense to still buy the property, but that was number one. Um, after we started the works, um, uh, the the money was being released um, with the um, with the relevant checks from the lender. Uh, they had their own representative checking all the money going out to our main contractor. They approved that we would pay them um, the next lot and the next lot, but actually works weren't being done. Uh, so actually we ended up being, um, what was it? On top of my mind, I think it was 14 weeks delayed. So together with the developers, we decided to let go of the main contractor. There were, I don't know, one, he was saying that he was going to get retired, uh, but we don't know that. So. Um, the, another thing that I want to say in here, um, the reason why we didn't um, we didn't look for other contractors before uh, was because we had worked with this contractor in another project and um, we sort of trusted them. Um, so we thought, let's have this project uh, done, you know, over and done with, and we can go off to another project which was also uh, in Edinburgh, not in Leith, but still in Edinburgh. Um, but yeah, so that wasn't that wasn't great. So I don't know if what the lesson learned here is just, you know, do regular checks, I guess. We did do regular checks. I don't know. We had a whole room on uh, on our um, other room in Clubhouse in regards uh, where a lot of people were very wise afterwards. I think we can all be wise afterwards. Um, um, so, so what we did afterwards was to let go of the main contractor, as I said, 
and the developers um, jumped in the project and they said that they would carry the work themselves, which was great for us because obviously we we trust them and you know they are shareholders as well so it's in their own interests as well as in ours for this project to go well and finish probably not on time but still in a in a good timeline um so at the moment we do not have a main contractor at the moment we have only subcontractors um and having and we have the developers overseeing all the works now <laughs> uh the last bit of the of this whole um, um, of this whole project was that actually when we found that even before we found that Leith was such a cool neighborhood uh, in the world, even before we wanted to retain our units, there were there were voices within the shareholders. Um, so ah yeah, hang on. One other thing that I want to share is that when we um, how can I explain this? So when we decided that we were late and we were going to let go of the main contractor, we also had an offer from uh, someone to buy all the units beforehand. Um, and we had another um, meeting in the regards, but we decided that actually we wanted to carry on the works and not sell. But then the other question came on the table saying that, wow, okay, so if this company was going to buy all the units and use them as an essay, then why don't we retain the units and use them as essay? Obviously, this would change the whole model um, because then, you know, you don't have the uh, estate agent come in and yeah, you, you don't get them involved at all, basically. Uh, but if we are going to sell, then you start the relationship with the estate agent pretty pretty quickly so that we can raise some money and um, sell a couple of units of plan. We don't want to sell all of them off plan because we know that as we're carrying on the works, actually the price is going up really quickly in Edinburgh. Um, and if there is one thing that I love about Edinburgh is how quickly properties sell in there. Um, so, so yeah, so we're still in a position where we want to retain the units. It's been a whole shebang because we we had interest from other shareholders from outside, um, but then we didn't want to have too many shareholders. Um, and then some shareholders um, decided not to invest in this project. Um, I, you know, it's it's a whole it's a whole thing. I don't know if we will be able to retain or not, but it's definitely an area of of um, of the world that if, if I could retain those units, I would. So I, I would have pretty quickly been in favor of retaining the units again. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to um but yeah this is where we're at at the moment we're not as much delayed um i think we're now down to 10 weeks delayed um so so yeah we're, we're doing pretty well and to be honest now that we're checking every single price ourselves obviously we can have more say in that as well uh for example the roof cost us um, far less than what had been foreseen um, so the money that we lost with the main contractor, actually, I think we, we will be able to recoup pretty quickly by us being a bit more hands-on um, with the project. Oh, my God. I went on and on. Wow. But no, no. That was really Did I put everyone to sleep? <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, you know, the fact that you've clawed back so much of that, of that delay is amazing. 
Um, so well done, guys. Now, there's just one thing Thank I'd you. like to ask you. So um, you said the developers have now taken over. So what is your relationship to the project? Yeah, absolutely. I'm one of the investors. Um, and I think... I think out of the investors, I'm the one a bit more uh, curious and, you know, a bit more involved. Um, but, yeah, but yes, those are, so the developers are now far more hands-on than, hands than they used to be. So, um, so that's, yeah, that's the relationship. Ah, okay. So, well, if you do decide to keep them, you know, just let us know where they are so that we can come up and stay in them and you know, enjoy a beautiful part of the world because that would be really, really nice. Absolutely. Um, if, if we retain them, we want to make them very high end. Um, so in terms of um, the floral plan, nothing is going to change because they actually, um, we want to keep the same size. Um, we've actually, from our research, we found out that um, there is um, quite uh, a demand for two beds and three beds as well for, you know, families or, I don't know, was a stag do or whatever. So for, you know, not, not, we're, we're not going to have parties if, if we retain them. But yes, definitely they're going to be high end. And I know that you like high end, Patricia, so definitely we'll, we'll call you on that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really, really good. So, you know, you know, thinking back to what happened with the development, and I guess that's what, you know, Clubhouse really does. You know, we all kind of like look at what's happened and say, what, if we had, if we, if we had a do-over, what could we do differently? And I'm just wondering, with the, with the contractor, was it that the previous project that they did, and they did really well, was that a lot smaller than this one? Do you, do you think they were maybe overwhelmed? They took on a bit too much and they couldn't cope? Um, I don't think that was a problem. I think the problem was that they had taken too many projects and they couldn't find the labor. This is this is my opinion anyway. Like we, we don't really know why they were so delayed. Um, and we didn't have a, a clear answer from them. Uh, but I think they had far too many projects, not enough labor, materials weren't coming on time, they got delayed in so many projects. In the meantime, they still had to pay people. They got the money from us and probably somebody else, um, and you know they had to pay people anyway. Um, so yeah, I think it was a mixture of things, but I don't think the problem was that the, this project was too big for them. Um, but that's my my, my feeling. Uh, I wasn't involved in the previous project at all, uh, but I, I think it was, if not the same size, slightly smaller. I wouldn't say much smaller. I think it was seven units instead of nine, but you know, still, it's a decent size, size project, so having two units more, I don't think that was the issue. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was also a listed building, so again, I don't think that this as a project was a struggle for them. I think the struggle was that because they were good, they took on, they said, oh, yes, we can do this. Yes, we can do this. And then actually realized, oh, wow. Okay. So we're now in a, in a position when we can't, where we can't deliver what we said we would. So instead of being very straightforward with us, which I would have 
very much preferred um, and say, you know, this is what has happened and, um, you know, we're really sorry, but uh, we're going to be delayed. So at least we could have taken our measurements from our side. Um, they decided to keep quiet. And of course, that didn't help uh, our relationship with them. Does that make any sense, Patricia? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Makes absolutely. And, you know, lots of people are like that. You know, they see a problem coming and they literally just bury their heads in the sand. Because, uh, yeah. Mm. yeah, it's just, it's human nature, isn't it? We don't like to deal with pain. And to, to say to somebody, oh, do you know, I'm going to let you down when you know that they're on a tight deadline, you know, they're paying for money that is literally not being used because they're not, because the builder's not delivering. I think that's, exactly. a, that's a very, very difficult conversation to, to want to have with anyone. Um, but yeah, but, uh, doesn't, yeah, doesn't... Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think sliding it under the carpet doesn't help anyone. <laughs> anyone. Not not them, not us, not, not anyone. So I think the quicker you see a problem, the quicker you speak about it. Yes, it's painful. I understand. But then you can get a few more heads put together to think how to resolve this because obviously you know maybe if you see the issue even if it will if you, even if it is your mistake at least you show yourself as you own your own mistakes as well and then you know you can work towards solving it but not speaking about it just makes it bigger and bigger and bigger and then you know obviously it's a recipe to to destroy that relationship Oh, definitely, without without a shadow of doubt. Um, but you know, I'm I'm just so so glad. And you know, for people listening back on this, this is what happens in property. You will hit problems. You will have problems. But it's how you deal with them and how you bounce back that determines how successful you are at the end of the day. You know, when it's all done and dusted, what have you achieved? And you know, so and, and I. I've said in one of my podcasts, you know, one of the monologue pod podcasts, some, you know, people shouldn't be too hard on themselves. You know, the little wins, take them, own them, because they are going to be very, very good building blocks for a much better and a much more successful business going forward. And this is just an example. 14, 14 weeks of delay and that has now been whittled down to what did you say did you say eight weeks now you're back 10 10, ten no we're, ten. we're down to 10 weeks but right. i i agree with you 100 percent. yes it's such a great learning curve isn't it oh my gosh always always and and you see this is this is what do, do, okay okay this is not about me i'll do, i'll talk about this in another room ah, but i but want to know now this, this, <laughs> But no, 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 no. This is this is about you, Anguilla. But this is one of the things that people don't realise about property investment. And you know, the government, some of the people in the government, some of the people in you know some other bodies, they just hear about landlords, or they hear about developers, and they think money, 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 money. They don't realise the sleepless nights, the you know the project management, the making of very hard and difficult decisions that you just have to in order to survive, in order to, you know, to, 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 to salvage something from, you know, whatever it is that might have been going wrong. They don't, people don't seem to see that. So when, you know, I come across people who are happy to talk about, you know, their experiences, 
do you know, I, I just embrace that so much. So thank you so, so, so much for doing that. Um, now, Anjuela, tell people who are going to be listening to the podcast how they can, oh, and I've got my red bar. My connection is so bad today. Um, so tell people who are going to be listening to this podcast how they can get in touch with you, how you might be able to help them, not just property-wise, but I know that you're also really, really good on the business side. You know, just tell people and then, and I'm going to post um, your website here. So if you start to tell people, I will post that and then people can click on that whilst they're in the room or if they're going to be, you know, listening on, you know, with the replays um, and they can then reach out to you. So let's go. Let's go for it. Yeah. But first of all, I wanted to say that uh, I agree with you 100 uh, percent. Higher returns or higher profits from a project definitely means high risk people. So it's not like, you know, you have this money uh, raining down from the sky. It, it does mean sleepless nights. Absolutely. Um, so, and it's so easy for a project to go out of track and, and, you know, something that looks like good profit, if it goes out of hand, it can mean, it can mean actually, uh, even higher, uh, costs and, and losses. So, um, definitely reach out to somebody who has done this before, who knows what they're doing, uh, and who are professionals, experts. Um, and yeah, definitely don't try to cut corners, uh, especially when it's uh, expert advice, because actually down the line, you're going to think, wow, I've been, uh, what's the expression, Patricia? Uh, Pennywise and pound foolish. Exactly, exactly. So um, to what I can help people with is, uh, first, get started in your journey, and it doesn't have to be property. It can be business as well. As I said, I have run a successful um, um, management consultancy called Focus Lane. The website for that is focuslane.co.uk, and you can contact it. Contact me at and um, my email is anduela at focuslane.co.uk. Um, and I've the, pinned it. I've actually pinned it. You. So. If people want to do that, just tap on the on the link above and then you can, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And in terms of uh, property, I don't have a company as such, but I do help uh, a few people. Um, so one of the things that I've done in Albania um, has been that um, a few friends of mine uh, and now even people that are not friends of mine, but, you know, like, Friends of friends, they have uh, little pots of money uh, saved. So instead of them keeping that money in the bank, we don't even um, we don't even raise uh, big mortgages on those ones because mortgages in Albania tend to be quite um, high interest. Uh, so what we do is we put together these pots of money and we purchase properties um, and we either rent them directly or uh, refurb and and rent them. So um, that's like a shareholders um, scheme. So basically whatever you put in, that percentage is going to come out to you. So that's a way for people who have some savings but not enough to buy their own property, instead of them chasing the rainbow, 
they can still make some money uh, from their little pot of money. Um, so, but this is mainly in Albania. I, I don't see why this scheme wouldn't work in, in UK as well, actually, to be honest. But yeah, that's something that I have been working on and I can help people with. Um, and, you know, just just generally know about property more because what I really think is that what I do and what I'm comfortable with doesn't mean that another person is going to do exactly the same thing. So I think it's important for us to explain to a new, a new person that wants to start a property journey to explain the different methods, the different ways that they can, um, they can um, earn money from property and see what they're comfortable with, with uh, you know, what they're comfortable doing, what they're comfortable, um, uh, what, what level of risk they're happy to, to take over. Because uh, if, if somebody is new, I definitely wouldn't recommend them to start with a, with a conversion of a, of a listed building into, into nine apartments. But there are other schemes that are a bit more... Um, easy to digest uh, for new people. But then again, if there are people that are actually quite happy to take uh, risk, then another thing I'm working on is a beautiful building in the center of Tirana that is going to be 10 floors above ground. Um, and, and for that, we have already raised half a million and we're going to raise another half a million in the form of a loan. Um, so, uh, you know, if somebody wants to just loan that money, then instead of taking, I don't know, null point, uh, something very small percent in the bank, then, you know, they can give it to us. And within 12 to 18 months, they're going to have 8 to 10% uh, return on their investment. Um, so the best way to contact me if you want to be... I don't like the word mentored, but I, I guess that's what it is. Um, I prefer handhelds because I'm not going to invent the wheel for you. But at the same time, I know that by talking together, then we can we can put uh, we can decide what strategy best works for for you. Um, so the best way to contact me is via Instagram, which is anduela underscore ismaili. Um, have I missed anything? No, I think that's it. I don't think you have. And thank <laughs> you so, so much. And if you're in the room and you're not following Anjuela, please just tap on her face, follow her, scroll down to the bottom of her bio. You'll see her Instagram link there. Go to her Instagram, follow her on there as well. And, you know, and we can't finish the room without mentioning Sehana. So Anjuela is also a new mother. She's a newly minted mother and Sehana is her baby. And How is she today, doing? Today, exactly today, she's five months. Oh, <laughs> Can you imagine? Goodness, five months. It's amazing how time yes. flies. Five months yes, already. Yes. Wow. Yes. And wow. on day zero of her life, I was already on Clubhouse. <laughs> Uh, yes, I love being a mama. Uh, yes, I love uh, having Sihana. I have to say, 
I don't know if this is my experience. Probably it's just my experience. I don't want to speak in the name of all women because I think all women are different. But uh, Sihana has given me an extra gear, has reprioritized everything in my life. So if you think that children can be an obstacle, in my case, it absolutely isn't. She has upgraded my life. I feel like Anduela 2.0. Loving it. Oh, gosh. Well, do you know, they do change your life for the better. Um, So great, 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 great stuff. So people who are in the room, if you want to listen back on this, um, you will be able to find the replays under both my profiles and Dwella's profiles, profile and the club's profile. So any of those three, you will be able to find this particular replay, but it will also be released as a podcast on Wednesday week. So that will be, I think, oh, no, 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 okay, it won't be the first podcast of the year, no, but it will, it, it's going to be fighting for it, because um, my, my, my usual monologue is going to be released on the first of the year. So, and it's going to be slightly different, it's just going to be a playful one. Um, so that is where we are. So, Anjuela. Thank you so, so much for doing this with me. And next week, we've got Julia Hart. Now, Julia is into commercial property. So very similar to what Anjuela's done um, today, but Julia is more, I think she's more like hands-on. So where Anjuela's the investor, one of the investors, Julia is more on the developer side. So, and as so much, so much info that she's going to be sharing with us. So, you know, be here, come and join us Wednesday at 12 noon. And thank you so, so, so much for spending your afternoon with us. And Andrella, once more, thank you very, very much. Thank you very much for having me and Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to everyone. And people, if you're listening to the podcast and you like it, why don't you rate and review it? Because that would be really, really great for us to kind of like, you know, know what you're thinking. Um, but yeah, have a great new year. So I shall close the room um, now. Thank you, guys. Bye.